What's going on, everyone? And welcome back to another edition of Riding the Pine. It's your dear old friend, Jack Ridenauer, and we have another sensational episode in store for everyone listening at home. Hope everyone has been doing well and enjoying the weather. Things are starting to change some. The weather's starting to change. The leaves are changing. And that means there are a lot of sports going on with playoff baseball and football. But today is going to be another interview-only episode with an athlete from one of those sports. But before I give anything away, I want to take a look back at the last episode and it was another really good one as I jumped into a little preview of the ALCS and the NLCS and mentioned some things to look for and some players to watch. And man, have those series really been interesting. The Rays and the Braves seem to be shocking everyone this year. Two very unlikely teams going this you know far and doing this much damage in the postseason. I moved out of that and dove into some NBA news and updates, giving a little recap of Game 5 between the Heat and the Lakers. And as we all know, the Lakers have won the series and have won the championship. So congratulations to them, but serious props to the Heat. I mean, they've, they played out of their minds. They have nothing to be ashamed of. And to wrap it all up, I had a superb interview with a really, really fascinating guest, current overseas pro player Jordan Lewis, and he had an awesome story to share. He and I discussed the moment he heard he earned a scholarship at Cal Poly after being a walk-on initially, what his transition was like going to Israel to play professionally, and much more. So go check that episode and all 54 episodes out now on Apple and Spotify. Now, jumping into today, it's going to be another interview-only episode, like I mentioned originally, with an awesome guest, former standout at Duquesne University, current CFL football player for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, Nahari Crawford. Nahari and I have an awesome conversation in store for everyone today, as he shares a lot about his career at Duquesne, setting numerous records, what his experience has been like as a CFL player, and much more. So with that, folks, I want to take us into this fantastic conversation today. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for the one and only Nahari Crawford. And I'm here with current CFL football player for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, Nahari Crawford. Nahari, first off, my friend, I really appreciate you joining the show today. How have you been doing? Man, I've been doing well. Thank you for having me. Throughout all this going on, it's just good to be here. So I'm blessed. Absolutely, man. I'm really glad that you could join the show today because I know you've got a very unique career and you have a very unique story to yourself. But also, I'm sure as you know, and as a professional athlete in another country too, this pandemic has probably just been as difficult for you as it has been for any and all pro athletes that had to you know, go through these new guidelines for a safe season. When you got word of this pandemic and that your season was postponed and then ultimately canceled, what became a new training regimen for you to keep in shape for when you'd get back on the field? How did you handle the situation, especially being in another country but like knowing that the season got postponed I was like oh man not again you know after sitting out one season from trying to go through the transition from being a college athlete to a professional athlete you know I kind of missed out on that first window so when I got signed I was so ready to go when they said postponed and being canceled that just kind of broke my heart but I never, you know, lost sight of the dream. I know I still got to keep working. So as usual, I get up six in the morning and I work out. So I just kept that same regimen going, but kind of relaxing a little bit as far as knowing I'm not going right now so I can use time to recover a little more. So I I, uh, took probably like three weeks off when I first found out and then I got back in action. I've been going ever since. 
Well, it's great you were able to find a routine and hey, getting up at 6 a.m. even through all this mess and knowing that you're not going to have a season, that's pretty impressive. I mean, that's that's a lot of will and that's a lot of dedication for sure. Now, I'm sure you are aware of the issues that the NFL has recently dealt with in regards to the virus. What are your feelings on how the CFL handled the pandemic? Do you think it was a wise decision for the season to get canceled? Or do you think that with the proper protocols and the following of those protocols by players and personnel, there could have been a season? I think it could have been a season. <laughs> I might be a little biased because I want to play bad, but I really think it could have been a season, especially with the CFL being a lot smaller than the NFL. So it's nine teams up there. You can kind of, just like the NBA had a bubble here in Florida, you would have been able to have a bubble as well because it wouldn't be like 32 teams worth of guys. It's nine teams worth of guys. So you can kind of manage it a little better with it being a smaller group. and. I just felt like we could have handled it better and throughout the process, them knowing what's going on and what we're going to do, what we're not going to do, they could have been better communicating-wise. Other than communication being kind of off at times, for the most part, it was kind of a waiting game. Just trying to see, all right, are we just going to be postponed or are they actually going to cancel? And they didn't actually cancel until uh, probably the second week of August which the season would have started in June. So that was kind of weird. Yeah, I'm sure that must have been a very, very kind of awkward, you know, period of time for you right there. Not quite sure what's going on. And I remember reading about the CFL and how they, like you said, postponed and then canceled and probably just dragging it out a little bit too long, in my opinion. Also, now I know this would have been your rookie season, so a very delayed start to your professional football career. What, if anything, has the CFL shared with you all in terms of when the season will start in 2021? What are the plans kind of moving forward for next year? I know you just mentioned that you know the communication was a little off, but have they said anything for moving forward into the next year? Um, well, with moving forward to next year, like I said, the season normally starts in June. So for them, they're kind of not really pressed on trying to figure out what we're going to do as of yet. They just thinking that it just hop back into a normal routine, which we'll go to camp probably in May if everything goes back to normal. But that's pending due to how the virus plays out for the next couple of months. Yeah, a lot of just unknown and, you know, things up in the air. And uh, I can I'm hoping that by next year, you know, you're able to go back to playing and that things can go back to normal. But who knows with what's going to happen next year? Now, with a lot of colleges postponing their season until the springtime and some conferences going ahead to play this fall with possibly delaying the start of the season, what would be your decision on this year if you were still in college? Would this be a hard decision for you to make on whether or not you would play or would you go ahead and participate in the season? Nah, I mean, I feel like I would definitely participate unless it was one of the situations where, you know, I was going to be a guy like, say, Jamar Chase, where he knows what's at stake. He knows, okay, he's a top three-round guy, whether he plays or not. So, hey, take this time to get better and prepare for the next level. Kind of like Nick Bosa did. When he, he got hurt his senior year, he was that full time to just prepare for the NFL rather than sticking around and trying to be in college. And I know for playing in the spring, it's kind of weird, especially being, if you want to play on a team that's up north, it is cold. I mean, extremely cold. So going from chances to play in, you know, the 80s, the 70s, the 60s, you know, 50 and 40 games, the highest might be 40 throughout the season if you want to play uh, that spring, depending on where you're at. I think that would have been the only thing that kind of messed with my head, knowing that we was going to be playing games in the Super Cold. 
Yeah, let me tell you what I am in that same boat with you because as as you as we're going to get into it, you know you're you're a Duquesne graduate and I live in Pittsburgh, so we know what it's like when it's you know March April time in Pittsburgh. It's still cold. It might snow. Hey, I I have never seen until I moved here. I had never seen snow in April, and then I came here and I said, "Wow, there's real." I mean, anything is possible. That is when I really knew that was insane. Absolutely. Now, Nahari, I want to get into your career and work our way to where you are today. And you had a very impressive career at Duquesne. And that incredible play started your freshman year. What was interesting about your first year was that you didn't see action in the first three games of the season, but did play the final nine games of the year, finishing third on the team in receptions, yards and touchdowns. How were you able to stay upbeat and hopeful that you would get your opportunity to play eventually? Were there any you know, doubts that crept into your mind after those three games that you could potentially not see action at all during that year? It was kind of weird to start because for me personally, I felt like I could have been playing the first game. But, you know, things played themselves out to where I get the opportunity. But it was it was kind of funny. The first, like, actual moment I was supposed to step on the field, uh, I believe that was game, what, three at Albany. We was up there, and the two guys in front of me had got hurt. So we have, what, five receivers, maybe six with one being a backup QB. So they needed a body to go in. And I'm the only other guy there. One guy's shoe come off, but at this point I haven't played. So they like, we need you to go. I'm like, oh, I'm not going. I'm not going to be out there for one play and blow my red shirt. So I was kind of trying to stay on the sideline and hold out to see what was going to happen. But once I got out there, everything just kind of opened up from that one play, his shoe coming off. And I never looked back ever since. I have to tell you that might be the most intriguing story that I have ever heard as to how somebody was able to acquire playing time. Somebody's shoe fell off. That is something that you could probably write a book on. That's pretty incredible. I have to say that's something that you'll probably be able to tell your grandkids and your great grandkids, you know, for many years. Now your, your, your career continued to progress forward with your junior year being a huge breakout season for you, where you led the NEC in reception yards for the season during that steady ascension. You saw what were some points of emphasis for you in your off season training that really allowed you to make that large of a jump in performance in your career? Um, that summer was like the first summer I really spent like grinding with my people, uh, Ryan. So I would do Duquesne workouts. And as soon as I leave Duquesne workouts, I head out and go work out with um, Ryan. So we was put in the work. I got a chance to you know, do the field workouts with him. And then also we put in working on the gym. So I was, I was going hard that year. And with us having a new quarterback, I knew it would be important for us to get our, you know, chemistry down. Uh, he was a new guy, so he kind of getting to everybody. It wasn't like when I first came, we had Dylan, in which Dylan knew Chris, Dylan knew Wayne. Those guys were freaks. So I, I couldn't be mad. I had to play my role. It's just I, step, I was able to step into a bigger role with a new guy coming in, and it just we took off like a rocket. Yeah, let me tell you what, you definitely took off like a rocket, my friend. I mean, your career just absolutely just shot all the way through the roof, you know, as time went on and you continue to get even better and better. Now, you graduated from Duquesne as the all-time leader in career reception yards and receptions and your third all-time in reception touchdowns while also being a two-time all-NEC selection. What was an aspect of your game that you felt, you know, really allowed you to separate yourself from the other competition in the league? Mentally, I felt like nobody could stop me, regardless of who was out there. It didn't matter. You know, I just, I want the ball there, play really. And the fact that 
I'm the all-time leader receiver. People don't look at I played with the all-time leader rusher as well. You know, so for me to be the all-time leader receiver, him to be the all-time leader rusher, that means we was balling, like straight up balling. But I don't know. I think mindset-wise, I just had a different mentality. It might be the Florida and me. I, I hate losing. I hate everything about that. So I just want to go balls to the wall every time I step foot on the field. Let everybody know I'm kind of the best because I've always been overlooked as that small guy. Well, he he little, so they don't think that I'm going to bring it the way I bring it. And I, I think it's just I surprise people when they line up on me. And by the time you figure it out, it's too late. I love that mentality, just knowing that, you know, you're going to beat whomever you're guarding and whomever is guarding you, you're going to go right by them. And that's, you know, again, that's probably a lot of the reason why you were able to be so much better than everybody else, just knowing that you were going to go by them and you're going to have no problem with that. Now, after your collegiate career, you wound up getting signed to the CFL team, the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And I know you haven't been able to really showcase your ability on the field yet because of the pandemic, but what has been an adjustment for you, if any, into the professional football world? Have you noticed any drastic changes in the routine you had in college versus now on a professional team? Were there any training camps or workouts that you were able to attend before things really shut down? Or have you yet to experience that adjustment from college to the pros? Yeah, I haven't really gotten the chance to learn how to be a professional yet. You know, I've had the talks with my cousin and being able to watch him, but as far as me, myself, personally, the only thing for me was being able to go to those uh, three NFL camps before getting signed by the CFL. So I kind of got to be around, you know, older guys and pick up some of the things that they tell you about being a professional and, you know, just watch, watch and learn from them, but I think it'll be it'll be a little bit more harder than that when I get up to Canada because like it's now that it's all on me, you know. Being in college, you kind of got people behind you telling you this and telling you that. But when you're a professional, like this is your job. You don't have time to play around. Nobody's gonna baby you. You're a grown man. They're gonna treat you like that. So I think as long as I stay on top of myself, I should have no problem transitioning from that being a college athlete and now to a professional. But I'm not sure how being in the workplace now with this year off will help make me make the transition. But it may have a good impact moving forward. I think you're going to have a very, very smooth transition into the CFL. I'm, I'm actually, I'm probably going to try and figure out a way where I can catch some of your games next year because I've never watched Canadian football. And that actually brings me into my next question, you know, from what you've been able to see, and I, and I know you probably, again, you haven't been up, up there very much, but what are some major differences from the NFL to the CFL? I mean, is the sport of football viewed the same as it is in America and Canada? Have you noticed any differences in style of play from American football to Canadian football? Or would you say they are pretty similar in most ways? Uh, pretty similar in most ways. You know, those guys, they love football just as much as we love football, but there is a difference as far as the amount of people being on the field. Like us, in America, we have 11 at a, um, on offense, 11 on defense. Up there, it's 12. 12 on offense, 12 on defense. So you got that kind of extra guy out there, but the field is wider. So that's why, you know, you can use 12 people out there. You have a little bit wider field. So for me, I just think that give me more space to cut up, but it is what it is. You know what? 
now I can say that I have learned something new today. So when I go and sit at the dinner table, I can say, Hey, did you know that the CFL has got 12 guys on the field instead of 11? That's a fun <laughs> yeah. fact, my friend. I'm, I'm glad that you shared that with me. Now, oh, yeah. fo- football clearly runs in your family. As you were briefly mentioning, your cousin is former Steelers linebacker, Ryan Shazier. So what kind of advice has he shared with you in terms of how to live the professional athlete lifestyle? What, if he's been able to share any sort of insight on the ins and outs of being, you know, in the professional sports world, what has he kind of shared with you and been able to try and tutor you on in order to prepare you for being a full-on professional athlete? It was just, you know, like I said, being around him, I was kind of to see it with my own eyes. But as far as the talks go, you know, he, he just kind of laid a thing on me like, you know, when you go to the professional world, it's people with like real deal families. You got people that's in their 30s, grown men. You're a youngin' coming in. They're not just going to let you come in and take a spot. So you got to show enough be good at what you do because every year they're going to bring somebody else in and then when you that old guy you don't want some young guy coming in and taking all your reps and, and doing this so every time you you do that every time you do something make sure you're doing it to your fullest ability to get the eyes on you and be re- be that young guy coming in ready to take somebody's position he said he had to go through that but sometimes you need those old guys so don't go in with the attitude like oh yeah i'm the best thing walking y'all gonna respect me i'm gonna show you this and that now you gotta go in humble mindset ready to learn from me and everybody because those guys are the guys that you go to war with every game and those guys are the guys that you know they helping you transition into being a professional so take it all with the grain of salt the heart the heart the good the bad and the ugly so it don't matter a great mentor you have in your cousin. I mean, that's got to be such a, a, an awesome thing that you get to share with him, you know, that commonality of playing professional football. And you'll always have somebody to go to if you ever have advice or, you know, need kind of a little, you know, uh, you know, pick me up or whatever in, in confidence or whatever. But, you know, that's taught me a lot about film. Yeah, film. I'm sure film is probably something that he, you know, is really, and I've always, you know, when I, with whomever I've talked to, if, you know, film is kind of the biggest adjustment from level to level in just the amount of right. studying you have to do, which is very fascinating. Yeah. I mean, it's very, very and, fascinating. And, and that was crazy. Like, in college, hang on, like, I'm not really paying attention to the small details and tendencies that he was paying attention to. Like, it was simple stuff. Like, so we can pick each other's brain with me being an offensive player, him being a defensive player, and it'll be played. Like, he'll literally watch the film, and he'll be like, oh, look at this guy right here. He just strapped his gloves up again. That means they about to pass the ball. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? So enough, go through the film. Every time this person strapped his gloves up, his team getting ready to throw the ball. But it's like little stuff like that that you don't even kind of pay attention to. It's, it's the, the minute details and everything like that that the regular people going to overlook. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is definitely, you know, the difference in, in from pro to college is just that little detail. I mean, that's pretty incredible. Just guy changing his gloves. And that was that. Now you were also a very talented track and field runner for the Dukes in college. How do you feel your time as a track and field athlete was able to help you prepare for football? Did you find that you were, you know, never really out of shape ever during the year because you were constantly yeah. working out for either sport? Yeah, I'll stay in shape year round. Like, I don't know. The only, the only con coming from being a track athlete as well as a football player is that the track team liked me to be light while football team you know they wanted me to keep my weight or gain track team trying to get you down so that you will be able to move faster and you know be lighter on your feet but 
I was in shape because I was having, sometimes I have two practices, but I have both practices in one day. But I, I kind of tried to separate it a little bit. I was definitely in shape. Yeah, that would be a lot. Uh, man, two sports, and it's at the D1 level, and they're both running-oriented. Wow, I would. I am very right. out of shape, and I am <laughs> just thinking... There days where I go practice in the morning to track, right? But I go to work out football, go to track practice after that, and then we got football practice. They like, oh yeah, go route, go route, go route, go route, go route. I'm like, oh man, like, I just ran that track practice. Like, <laughs> y'all tripping, but... It kept me in shape though. So when game time did come, and we got to go hurry up offense. I was always ready. I, was, you know, with no pressure. Yeah, that's great. I mean, hey, I couldn't imagine being, you know, in shape all year round. I haven't been in shape per se in probably about three or four years. So I'm uh, I'm way behind the eight ball on that one. Let me tell you what, I think if I did one of your workouts, I'd probably get 10 minutes in. The stretch would do me in and that'd be about it. But Nahari, I want to now ask you about something that has been a very popular topic in our world. And that is the continued awareness being brought to the social issues in our society through the Black Lives Matter movement and other initiatives being taken as well. And many people believe that sports can be a vehicle to promote promote this change in our society even more. So for you, in what ways can sports help this movement continue to be heard by many people and can continue to promote this change in our society? Um, honestly, just like you're saying, keep promoting. Like we have to, as a nation, we have to understand that people are different, but you can't hold their, because someone looks different to you. That don't mean they deserve to die. You know what I mean? Like, it's not that don't that don't make sense to me. The fact that someone can be a fan, they cheer for you on the weekends, but as soon as Monday hit, that's going out of their head. Like, they don't see you as the same anymore. Like, it's weird for athletes. We have to. It's a lot of black athletes that make up the sports that we watch now today's game. So we have to take a stand and make sure that we're being treated fairly across the board. And not only us, but the rest of the people in the world. Because just like it's happening to somebody, it can happen to me as well. And you, you don't want that to happen, so you want to kind of spread awareness and open up the minds of people. Let them know, like, man, we, we don't mean harm. We just look different. It's not, it's not like that. It's not the old days. It's 2020. We're supposed to be moving in a better direction. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more, you know, and just, you know, not having to hold any sort of biases towards people and kind of looking at people differently. You know, that's, you know, we're all, like you said, moving forward and progressing forward. And that's what we all need to do as a nation and as, as human, you know, humans, as humanity goes. Right. Now, I think we need to come up with like real deal solutions. They, oh, they like, oh, we can lift every voice and sing. Like that's going to do something for us. Like no matter, we, we don't play live every voice and sing at all functions that go on. So why you, you playing that, you thinking that's doing something for black people as a whole, it's not. It's, it's like, you just doing that just to say you're doing something. Do you really care? You bring a good point up. You really do. And I mean, even seeing, you know, I mean, for, you know, an example, seeing that one Chiefs game when people are all booing, it's like we're going, we're taking one step forward, but now we're taking three steps backward and we got to keep going forward. We can't keep taking these little mishaps and these little, you know, slip ups along the way. We've got to keep moving forward. But I know that change is on the horizon. There's already been some, you know, good, solid change, but it's going to keep going to keep going forward for sure. Nahari, my friend, you have been unbelievable to have on the show today. I really appreciate your time. Before I let you run, I have one final question to ask you. 
And it involves when you had the realization that you could take your talents to the pro level and fulfill that goal you've always set out to achieve. So for you, when did it become a reality for you and really set in that you could play football at the pro level and make a living playing the sport you love? Man, once it was, it was that 20, that was 2019 draft class. So 2019 draft went by, and that's when the Giants called me saying, come up here, you know, for camp and everything. And that right there, I'm like, dang, I played on the team last year. I don't think nobody got a chance for real. They calling me. Oh, this, this is real. Like, I go out there and I'm like, dang, I'm really, I'm really getting the opportunity to be a professional football player. And then I went from there to Pittsburgh and that didn't go well. I came home and the Bucks wanna bring me out there. And they brought the Bucks sent me home, but then brought me back. So I'm like, oh yeah, I'm lit. They like, you need to stay ready, stay ready, stay ready. Just so happened, CFL called before then. I just hopped on it like I'm really a professional football player. I can't believe it. I'm so excited. It don't matter where I was gonna be at. I just get the opportunity to play and do what I love again. So I think I was just excited about that. And knowing now that I'm getting the opportunity, I'm going to make the best that I'm about to show up. CFL don't know what, what they got coming. To anybody that is listening, you all, you, you heard the warning. The CFL football teams, be on the lookout. Nahari Crawford next year is going to be is going to be tearing things up on the field. Uh, Nahari, I'm very excited to see you guys play next year. I'm excited to see oh, you yeah, play. Exactly. And, and just I'm excited to get some normalcy back into our lives and have some normal football and everything else. But my friend, you've been fantastic. You've worked so hard in your career, and I know you're going to keep on going forward. And, and the, the sky's the limit for you. I look forward to speaking with, with you very soon. Love to get you back on the show sometime. And good luck moving forward, my friend. Anytime, Jack. Thank you for having me. And there he goes. Nahari Crawford, a current CFL football player for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. He had an awesome story to share and a very unique experience being a CFL player, but not even being able to play his rookie season because of COVID. So a lot of interesting stuff he had to say. Thanks, everyone, for joining me here on the bench for a yet again another incredible episode today. Be sure to keep following and subscribing to Riding the Pine on Apple and Spotify and keep following on Twitter at Ride the Pine 20, RTP all capital and Instagram at Riding underscore the underscore pine underscore for all of the latest updates on episodes and content to come. All 55 episodes are out now. We've got some really good guests in store for everybody. So be sure to keep your eyes and ears open for those upcoming episodes. Once again, everyone, thanks so much for joining me today. And until next time on Riding the Pine, keep on sitting the bench with me. Thank you.